You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Monday to you. We've got a lot to cover today on the podcast and this week on the podcast. The NFL Draft is complete. The Buffalo Bills made eight selections. We covered one of them so far, and that's Gregory Rousseau, the Bills' first-round pick, the defensive end, from Miami. Went in-depth on him on the Friday podcast. I trust you've probably listened to it by now, but if not, if you want opinions on Gregory Rousseau, those came on Friday. The rest of this week, we are going to focus on the remaining Bills draft picks. We'll talk about each and every one of them in depth. I'll give you my thoughts on each player, and we will have a full understanding of what exactly Brandon Bean added to this roster by the end of the week. So we're going to cover four picks today, three picks tomorrow, in addition to whatever happens with the fifth-year options that Brandon Bean has to decide on for Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen on Monday. We'll talk about that on Tuesday, in addition to three players and the UDFAs. On Wednesday, we're doing herd mentality. On Thursday and Friday, I have some special stuff planned. I don't want to tell you quite yet, but it's going to be a full week of reacting to this draft class that Brandon Bean has assembled. And I think a full week of coverage on it, maybe more, maybe we'll do a little bit next week too. A full week of coverage on it is necessary. We spent over a month speculating and discussing the possibilities in this draft. We have got to give it due justice to reflect on it and talk about what happened, what we learned, and what the Bills have added to this football team. Also today, later in the podcast, I'm going to announce a contest that we are going to run on the podcast throughout the month of May. So stick with me. We'll get to that later on. But let's start talking about these Bills draft picks today. We're covering Carlos Basham. We're covering Spencer Brown. And we are covering Marquez Stevenson, in addition to Tommy Doyle. So a lot of new Buffalo Bills that we have to get familiar with today on the podcast. After the Bills picked Gregory Rousseau in the first round, pick 30. The next pick was Carlos Boogie Basham, second round pick, number 61, overall from Wake Forest University. He is a defensive end. So the Bills go defensive end with their first two picks. Basham is 23 years old. He turns 24 in December of this year. He is an older prospect, a native of Roanoke, Virginia. Like I said, his nickname is Boogie, so we'll call him Boogie Basham. And not only did the Bills draft two defensive ends with their first two picks, they drafted two defensive ends with fun nicknames. We have Boogie Basham and Groot. Greg Rousseau's nickname is Groot. So if you hear us talking about Groot, that's who it is. So Basham played defensive end and tight end 
in high school. His senior year in high school, he was the Virginia State 3A player of the year. He was also a starter at center for his high school basketball team in addition to being a standout football player. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school, and unfortunately for a Virginia kid who was the state player of the year for the 3A district, he didn't get an offer from either Virginia or Virginia Tech. In fact, he only had four total offers coming out of high school. They were Cincinnati, Old Dominion, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest. And obviously, he went to Wake Forest. In 2016, he redshirted. In 2017, he played in 13 games with one start, had 24 tackles, two tackles for loss, and three passes defended. In 2018, he started 12 games and played in 12 games, had 64 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and a pass defended. In 2019, he had 13 starts in 13 games, 57 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, three forced fumbles, and three pass breakups. I honestly thought after 2019, Carlos Boogie Basham was going to declare for the draft, but he came back for 2020, and he started and played in seven games, 28 total tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. He was a team captain for the Demon Deacons. He was all ACC in 2019 and 2020, and in 2019, he was second in the conference in sacks, only behind Greg Rousseau. So the Bills' first two picks in the 2021 draft class were the number one and two leading sackers in the ACC in the year 2019. Looking at his size and athleticism, Basham is six foot three, 274 pounds. He has 32 and seven eighth inch arms, nine and a quarter inch hands. So uh, not super long in terms of uh, comparing him to Groot, but he's got adequate length. Ran a 4.62 40-yard dash. That's the 91st percentile. A 1.63 10-yard split. That's the 58th percentile. 34-inch vertical jump. That's the 62nd percentile. 10-foot 2-inch broad jump. That's the 85th percentile. A 7.13 3-cone drill. That's the 68th percentile. A 4.32 short shuttle. That's the 76th percentile. And he had 20 bench press reps which is the 22nd percentile. So Basham has good size, and he tested really, really well, especially that 40-yard dash. That three-cone drill is pretty good. That short shuttle is pretty good. His jumps are pretty good. I mean, he's above average in literally every single test. So good size and good athleticism when it comes to Carlos Boogie Basham. In fact, if you go to mockdraftables.com, which is a really good resource for finding athletic comparisons to football players. The number one comparison to Boogie Basham in terms of size and athleticism is actually Shaq Lawson. And as you'll discover here shortly, my comparison for Carlos Basham is Shaq Lawson. I think in a lot of ways, the Bills got Shaq Lawson 2.0 in Carlos Basham. So let's look at my scouting report for Carlos Basham. He's in my region. I do the ACC, the AAC, 
and then I do LSU, South Carolina, and Tennessee for the Draft Network. So players in that region I am going to be insanely familiar with. And, um, of course, I watch the entire nation and scout all the football players. I have a, you know, a deeper understanding of everyone in the region that I cover. So I'm not going to read my entire scouting report to you on Carlos Basham. You can do that at thedraftnetwork.com if you want to read the trait-by-trait analysis. But my summary section on Basham reads as follows. I said, Wake Forest defensive end Carlos Basham Jr. takes his game to the next level after racking up splash play after splash play from 2018 until 2020. In 31 games across that span, Basham Jr. had 33.5 tackles for loss, 19.5 sacks, 7 forced fumbles, and a defensive touchdown. At the next level, Basham Jr. projects most favorably as a left defensive end in a 4-3 scheme that situationally gets chances to rush interior gaps. He's a power-style end that is strong at the point of attack, does well to contain, and features a sufficient pass-rushing skill set where his technique and effort leads to pressure on the quarterback. If a team is in search of a bursty and bendy pass rusher, that's not Basham's game. He wins with power, technique, effort, and angles to get home. For Basham to reach his ceiling at the next level, developing his secondary pass rush moves, trimming weight, adding functional strength, and improving his block recognition skills on run plays will be important. If everything comes together, Basham can be a productive starter for a 4-3 defense. I said his ideal role is left defensive end in a 4-3 scheme that gets chances to rush from the interior gaps on long and late downs, and his best scheme fit is a 4-3 defense. And he came in as the 83rd best player on my personal draft board. And all of that stuff that I just said was written well before I knew Basham was going to be a Buffalo Bill. And it's interesting because I think you can listen to Brandon Bean talk about Basham saying things like he's a left end that could reduce inside and rush interior gaps. And, uh, you know, obviously a 4-3 defense. We see this player pretty similarly. Here's what I like about Basham. And this kind of brings in Rousseau into the equation in this discussion. What I like is that with the first two picks both being edge rushers, It's a very clear message that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott want a more effective pass rush. He watched Patrick Mahomes in two games against him last year be completely comfortable to do whatever he wanted to do because the Bills' pass rush couldn't affect him. And then he watched the Super Bowl and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' pass rush affect Patrick Mahomes all day long and they won the game. We've talked a lot this offseason about building a football team and making decisions in this offseason that will help the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Loud and clear is this message to me. Two young pass rushers brought into the mix because the Bills didn't have the depth and talent to affect Patrick Mahomes last year. Brandon Bean assessed the situation and said, I need more pass rushers. I need more off the edge. I need guys with length and the ability to contain and hold these mobile quarterbacks in the pocket. And that's exactly what he got in Rousseau and Basham. I like that there is a clear plan at defensive end 
and the team has placed a priority on it. Edge rusher is a critical spot of any roster in the NFL, and the Bills haven't gotten enough production. So with Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes being in their mid-30s in the last year of their deal, Brandon Bean went and got him these two players in addition to A.J. Epinesa to be the long-term pieces in place that he needs. You're not going to find pass rushers in free agency for the Bills because the Bills won't have the free agent dollars to spend to get them. You have to overspend to get average pass rushers like Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson, much less going after a big name like a Miles Garrett or a Chase Young or a Joey Bosa or a Nick Bosa. Those guys never hit the market. So you have to overpay for average guys that typically peak in a contract season, get their double-digit sacks, get paid, and then they're not as effective. Brandon Bean has has employed this idea that I'm going to get a bunch of young pass rushers, throw a bunch of darts at the board, hope to hit on a couple of these guys, and find an economic path to finding pressure off the edge. So I like that there is a clear plan at defensive end, and Brandon Bean has put a priority on it. I liked stylistically how Carlos Basham fits into this Bills defense, and this also applies to Rousseau. These are guys with excellent containability. We talk about these quarterbacks in the NFL now. They can move everywhere. But if you can keep them bottled up in the pocket, you are going to affect them. You get Patrick Mahomes rolling right or Lamar Jackson on the move or Justin Herbert on the move, you're going to be in trouble. The Bills got some guys with length and containability to help keep these quarterbacks in the pocket. You know, it's interesting Passing in the NFL is at an all-time high, but you haven't seen the sack production catch up. There's not a whole lot of guys getting 10 sacks a year. Last year, there was only 10 guys in the NFL that had 10 or more sacks. So you have the most passing attempts you've ever seen, but the sack production hasn't followed suit. That's because these quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands super, super quick. Obviously, there's other things like you know, coverage rules and spacing and all that stuff. But I think more than anything, it's because quarterbacks get their the ball out of their hands so quick. You can beat your guy in two and a half seconds. The quarterbacks got it out in 2.1, 2.2 seconds, and it didn't matter. So getting guys with long arms, heavy hands, that can create quick pressure, that can bottle these quarterbacks up, and when the initial play concept that they want isn't there and they want to extend the play and your coverage has a higher propensity to break down, you got them bottled up. And those guys can only block for so long. So I like the stylistic players that have been added to the roster here in Basham and Russo, guys that can compress the pocket. The other thing that I really like about the Basham pick is that he's a high-floor prospect. I think you know exactly what you're getting in Basham. I think he's Shaq Lawson 2.0. So imagine Shaq Lawson back on this defense, and I think the Bills got exactly that that type of player. He's never going to be a guy that just dusts guys off the edge. 
Not a lot of clean wins, running circles around guys, but power, knows how to work his hands, good interior rusher, good contained player. He's Shaq Lawson 2.0. Here's what I don't like about the pick. I don't think that Basham has a super high ceiling. And that's okay. We're talking about the bottom of the second round. But if you think Basham has the ceiling of a 10-12 sack a year type player, I don't think that's what he is. He's also an older prospect. I mean, he's going to be 24 in December. At the end of his rookie season, he's going to be 24 years old. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is only 23, and he's been in the league for three years now. Now, I know that Tremaine is an exceptionally young professional football player, but Basham's not a, a, a guy that is young, right? He's 24, he'll be 24 in December. I'll say another thing here is that I don't think that Basham's play speed matches the athletic testing. And we didn't have the combine this year. So all the numbers that I'm giving you are pro day numbers. And you can speculate on just how accurate those are. That's what I love about the combine. It's an even playing field. There's no funny business. You get pure, true numbers. Pro days, it's fair to have some questions. And I think with a player like Basham, the player watched on tape, I'm not exactly sure he has the same play speed as he does time speed and you know overall athleticism. And the last thing I'll say is that as a, somebody who's familiar with Basham, I've been scouting Wake Forest for years. I, I frequently go to the university and spend time there and you know watch games from the press box and talk to people. He was not as good in 2020 as he was in 2019 or 2018. Not close. I thought he had some bad weight on his frame. I thought there were some conditioning issues. He got gassed late in games for sure. And part of that's because Wake Forest literally asks him to play every snap. So you do see a lot of moments in games where he does have you know a ton of energy and he pursues the football hard and he's urgent in pursuit but in 2020 there were times where I thought he was gassed so you tie that back to you know what I thought was some bad weight that he added to his frame and overall he just wasn't nearly as effective in 2020 as he was in 2019 or 2018. Hey, Bills fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenix Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Our promo code is locked on. The next pick we got to talk about is Spencer Brown, third round pick, number 93 overall, an offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. He's 23 years old. He turns 24 in February of 2022. He's a native of Lenox, Iowa, and his family has a 100-acre cattle farm. He played five sports in high school, basketball, baseball, football, golf, and track, and the style of football he played was eight-man football. So in high school, he was a tight end and a defensive end in eight-man high school football. Quick note from his high school career, he fractured his femur, and he also had surgery in 2015 to repair a defect under his kneecap. He didn't have much interest as a high school recruit, was a no-star player, and didn't have any big-time offers. So he winds up going to Northern Iowa, and you can understand why he didn't have much interest because he was like a 225-pound tight end that uh, played eight-man football. So he goes to Northern Iowa, and in 2016, he was a red shirt. And then in 2017, he converted to the offensive line. He started five games at right tackle, and unfortunately, he had a season-ending knee injury uh, when he tore his left MCL. In 2018, he came back healthy, started 12 games at right tackle, and in 2019, he started 15 games at right tackle. In 2020, the season was canceled, and he opted out. Uh, He had the opportunity to play for some Big Ten teams, but he did not want to do that uh, to his teammates. He felt very much uh, in debt to the University of Northern Iowa, and he said, quote, I am not going to let someone else reap the benefits of what UNI did for me. So instead of going to play for Iowa or Michigan State, he opted out of the season and prepared for the Senior Bowl and the NFL Draft. He's trained with legendary offensive tackle Joe Staley, and um, he was really good at the Senior Bowl. So uh, while we didn't see him play in any games in 2020, you have to be really comfortable with how he performed at the Senior Bowl. Uh, One note here is that throughout his entire football career, dating back to high school, he only has three seasons ever with game experience on the offensive line, and that's 33 starts at the FCS level. He's six foot eight and a quarter, 311 pounds, 34 and three quarter inch arms, 10 and three eighth inch hands. He ran a 494 40 yard dash. That's the 95th percentile, a 169 10 yard split. That's the 91st percentile, a 31 and a half inch vertical jump. That's the 86th percentile, a nine foot nine broad jump. That's the 97th percentile. He had a 696 three cone. That's the 99th percentile. He had a 44 20 yard short shuttle. That's the 98th percentile. And 29 bench press reps, which is the 82nd percentile. He is an elite, and I mean elite athlete with tons of length and size. If you go to mock draftables, his top comparisons athletically and physically are Colton Miller. Eric Fisher, Tommy Doyle, another Bills 
draft pick from this class, we'll talk about him tomorrow, or actually later today, excuse me, Lane Johnson and Taylor Luan. So that's some really elite company when you think about just how good Miller, Fisher, Johnson, and Luan have been in the NFL. Now, Spencer Brown was not in my region for the draftnetwork.com, but I did study his tape and I did grade him. He was the 127th player on my board. And here are my notes on him. Again, not a full write-up. These are more bullet points for my own notes. Um, I said he's athletic, long, and coordinated, which is important. Guys with his measurables, 6'8", 311, they're not always the most coordinated human beings, but you get that from uh, Spencer Brown. He has terrific foot speed to mirror pass rushers, good pop in his hands, excellent functional strength throughout his frame. You really notice that in his core and uh, in his lowers, right? So uh, a guy that you could just tell has been working his entire life in the weight room because he is a, a rock-solid player in terms, of, in terms of functional strength. He blocks with an edge. He's aggressive, and he's definitely a people mover. He has crazy good bend for his frame. You don't see guys that are six foot eight that can bend like he does. Some of my concerns is that he's very tall in his pass set, so he does have good bend, but he does give up leverage quite a bit, and that's kind of a function of being 6'8 with high hips. He does have a downward thrust to his punches, which will be challenging in the NFL because that elongates his punch, and uh, it makes it more difficult for him to land it. So that's something to be mindful of, a big technic, uh, technical point for Bobby Johnson to be aware of and work on. His pass sets need development in terms of reaching landmarks and not chasing as frequently. He's a guy that has good length and good feet, but that ability to mirror and stay square is something that's a work in progress. He needs to be able to do that with better consistency because he finds himself often in a state of recovery and then relying on his foot speed and length to recover as opposed to keep guys at the end of his reach and and really control reps. He's definitely a bit of a leaner, and he's – inexperienced, and unchallenged, right? Only three years of experience playing offensive line where there's games, and he really hasn't been challenged by top pass rushers. Now, he fared well at the Senior Bowl, which is really exciting, but at the end of the day, this is a pretty raw football player. So what do I like about the pick? It's a premium position. It's a guy with top-tier athleticism and size, and this team needed depth, long-term depth. The only five offensive linemen under contract beyond this year are the starters, Morse, Feliciano, Williams, Ford, and Dawkins. All these other backups that the Bills have in place, all these veterans they signed, Hart, Douglas, Lamp, Bates, Bakker, Devi, those guys are up after this year. So the Bills really did have a need for some developmental talent on the offensive line that's going to be around. And there was really no true developmental starter type player on the offensive line before they picked Spencer Brown. And obviously they lost Ty Inseki, the swing tackle, a guy that can play back up to both Williams and Dawkins. He's not here. You thought maybe Ryan Bates could be that guy, but you get a lot more interested in guys like, you know, Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, who we'll talk about next, because they're actually built to play tackle. Ryan Bates, kind of a narrow-build guy. I like him better on the interior. I know the Bills like Ryan Bates, but from a body-type perspective, 
he's a lot better equipped to play on the inside. And if you think about these players that they brought in and Doyle and Brown, and then you think about Dawkins and Williams, those are completely different body types. This is a lot more like what they prefer on the offensive tackle. Another thing that I like about this pick is that I think there's a chance that Spencer Spencer Brown can fill the Lee Smith role. I'm not saying that he's going to convert to tight end, but you dress him on game day and he's your blocking tight end. He's literally the same as Lee Smith. That's your path to playing time for Spencer Brown. He dresses as a utility offensive lineman, so he serves as your backup right tackle and left tackle, but also on those packages where you had Lee Smith in the game, just have it be Spencer Brown. And if you want to leak him out into space and have him catch a football, he can surely do that given his background playing tight end. So I think that's kind of a fun way to look at how he can help the team this year. It's not just as a swing tackle, but it's that blocking tight end role. And maybe you see the Bills carry 10 offensive linemen and only three tight ends. I think that's how you can get year one value out of Spencer Brown, who is not likely to dethrone Darrell Williams as a starting right tackle. What I don't like about the pick is he's definitely a project. Has a lot of tools, great size, but only three years ever with game experience on the offensive line, and they all came at the FCS level. You're counting on him to develop him, right? He's a low-floor player, a high-ceiling player, but a low-floor player. And the last thing I have down is that he may never start unless the Bills move on from Williams for cap savings, which they can do. The Bills can move on from Darrell Williams after this season or after the 2022 season, and there would be cap savings to be had. But unless you do that, Williams feels like he's entrenched as as the right tackle. Dawkins is definitely the left tackle. So Spencer Brown would have to outright beat them out, or his outlook for the next three seasons is as a swing tackle. Now maybe, like I said, the additional value comes from him being a utility blocker, that can be a a tight end when they normally would bring Lee Smith on the field. But he may never be a starter for the team. We'll see. Let's keep things going here. The next player we'll talk about is Tommy Doyle, the Bills' fifth-round pick, number 161 overall. He's an offensive tackle from Miami of Ohio. 22 years old. He turns 23 in May, actually this week on the 6th. So happy birthday, Tommy Doyle, in just a few days. He's a native of Edina, Minnesota, and he played hockey and football growing up and then only football in high school after his freshman year when he gave up hockey. Was a three-star recruit. He had no Big Ten offers. He had several FCS offers, and his only FBS offers were Nevada, Eastern Michigan, and Miami of Ohio. Obviously, we know he selected Miami of Ohio. His mom played volleyball in college. His dad played basketball. Let's talk about the career that he had for Miami. In 2016, he redshirted and missed the entire season with a torn labrum. In 2017, he started four games at right tackle and then missed seven games due to a foot injury. In 2018, he played in 10 games and started 10 games at right tackle. He missed two games that year due to a leg injury. 
In 2019, he started all 13 games at left tackle. And in 2020, he started all three games at left tackle. So for his career, 30 starts, 16 at left tackle, 14 at right tackle. He's six foot eight and a quarter, 320 pounds, 35 and an eighth inch arms, 10 and three eighth inch hands. So he's a big, long dude. He ran a 5-1-2 40-yard dash. That's the 77th percentile. A 1-7-6 10-yard split. That's the 64th percentile. 33-and-a-half-inch vertical jump. That's the 94th percentile. 111-inch broad jump. That's the 87th percentile. 7-4-2-3 cone. That's the 89th percentile. A 4-5-7 short shuttle. That's the 82nd percentile. And 24 bench press reps which is the 51st percentile. So another guy just like Spencer Brown, crazy good size and crazy good athleticism for that size, that offensive tackle. Tommy Doyle was not in my region, but just like with Spencer Brown, I studied him and I evaluated him. Tommy Doyle was the 219th ranked player on my board. My notes, he's long, athletic, and coordinated. He's physical and aggressive as a blocker overall. He's explosive into contact in the run game. When he has the opportunity to find a leverage point, he can run his feet, fit his hands, and make you look silly because he's a powerful people mover in the run game. He pushes people around, has heavy hands, violent, powerful hands. He's effective in space. I really appreciate his ability to climb to the second level and connect with moving targets. I love that he wants to bury people. I love that he can play left tackle and right tackle. My concerns, he's tall and high-hipped. Leverage and bend issues are present on tape. I also have down that he recovers a lot and he's on the ground a lot, and he needs to learn how to apply his traits more consistently to be able to win and dictate reps. Uh, Hand placement, hand timing, and pass sets can be inconsistent. Now, he gets good depth in his pass sets, but in terms of, making sure that he's staying square and using his hands to keep rushers at the edge of his reach. Those are things that he needs to get better at. So what do I like about the pick? Number one, he's experienced on both sides and that he has really good physical traits and he's very, very powerful and he's an aggressive blocker. What I don't like about the pick is that he's an older prospect. Despite being more experienced, he has more habits to break. So on one hand, you have Spencer Brown, who's this very raw moldable piece of clay with great size and athleticism and length that is really raw from a technical perspective but hasn't played a ton of football at offensive tackle. And then you have Tommy Doyle who is more experienced and he'll have a harder time kind of breaking some habits and adapting to the techniques that Bobby Johnson is going to want to have. And then, you know, I think he's more of a developmental backup than a developmental starter unless he over achieves. Need to tell you guys about Bilt Parts, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. They're all delicious and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but it's good for you. Bilt Bars are great for anyone who is health conscious. If you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you have to try Bilt Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and perfect for anyone on the keto diet. I have a deal for you. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. 
Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Well, I told you that we were going to do a contest, and here's the deal. Here's what you have to do. Throughout the month of May, you're going to have a chance to win a Buffalo Bills jersey of your choice. Here's how you do it. There's going to be 21 episodes of Locked On Bills in the month of May. I have a nine-word sentence that I will periodically drop the next word of throughout the course of the month. After I have delivered all nine words, you will have the entire full sentence. When you have it, send an email to joe at thedraftnetwork.com with the full sentence correctly written, and you're going to be entered into a drawing, and the winner receives the Bills jersey of their choice. I'm going to release the first word today and the last word on May 27th. The other seven words will be released at random throughout the course of this month. So you'll need to keep track of the words so that you can correctly submit the sentence and be entered into the drawing. Again, my email is joe at thedraftnetwork.com. I will do the drawing on Instagram Live on June 2nd, which also happens to be my birthday. So you're going to have from May 27th, after the episode is published and I release the last word, until June 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern Time to send me an email with the full sentence to be entered and the drawing will be done live on my Instagram. You can follow me on IG. My handle is the underscore Joe Marino. The idea here is to have some fun with the most loyal listeners that tune in every single day. So hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions or email me joe at the draftnetwork.com. The first word in the sentence is the. Again, the first word in the sentence is the. All right, let's move on to Marquez Stevenson, the last player we will cover today. He was the Bills' sixth-round pick, number 203 overall, a wide receiver from Houston. He's 23. He turns 24 in March of 2022, a native of Shreveport, Louisiana. He played football, basketball, and track in high school, a three-star recruit that had Power 5 offers from Miami, Notre Dame, and Nebraska, uh, but he chose Houston, and he was part of that recruiting class that included Ed Oliver and quarterback De'Eric King. In 2016 at Houston, he played in two games, but then missed the rest of the season with a broken collarbone. In 2017, he missed the entire season with an ACL tear, he came back in 2018 and had a good year, 13 starts, 75 catches, 1,019 yards, and 9 touchdowns. 2019, he played in 12 games, 52 catches, 907 yards, and 9 touchdowns. And then in 2020, he played in 5 games. He had an ankle injury that forced him to miss some time. And in those 5 games, he had 20 catches for 307 yards with 4 touchdowns. Now, Stevenson is also a really good kick returner. He had 34 kick returns in college, averaged 26.3 yards per return, and three touchdowns. For his career as a receiver, he averaged 8.6 yards after the catch per reception for his career, and as a runner, he actually had 26 rushing attempts and averaged 9.7 yards per carry. As a vertical receiver, he had 17 catches beyond 20 yards from the line of scrimmage on 50 targets. It was 723 total yards, 10 touchdowns, 
only one drop on passes aimed more than 20 yards down the field where he was the target. And on those 17 catches that he had of over 20 yards depth of target, he averaged 42 and a half yards per catch. So a good kick returner, a good vertical receiver, a good yards after catch guy, and he's a good athlete. Now I did mention that he's a really good kick returner. He really doesn't have much experience as a punt returner. He only got a chance to have four punt returns, and he also had four fair catches. So um, not a guy that has a proven track record of fielding punts and returning them. He's five foot 10, 180 pounds, has 31 and a half inch arms, eight and five eighth inch hands, ran a 4.45 40-yard dash. That's the 67th percentile. A 4.17 short shuttle, which is the 68th percentile. He had a 6.46 three cone, which is the 100th percentile. An absolutely elite three cone drill. 33 inch vertical jump, that's the 19th percentile. 10 foot, two inch broad jump, that's the 54th percentile. Now, obviously, the three cone there is exceptional, but you're probably thinking, wow, this is a speed guy, but he only ran a 4.45. First of all, 4.45 is really good. And he was at the HOA scouting combine that I was at in Florida, and I had him clocked twice as a 4.40 on the dot. So I think. If his technique is right, he does have 4-3 speed. He's really fast. But I will say this. His play speed is exceptional. He's not a guy that is only fast on the track. He's fast on the field. So I think he's a 4-4 guy on the track, and he's a 4-4 guy with pads on. Now, he is in my region. He's an AAC player, and so I have a full write-up on him on the draftnetwork.com. Let me read to you my summary. Real quick, I do want to mention that Stevenson was my number 153 overall player in this class. So here's my summary. Houston wide receiver Marquez Stevenson battled injuries early in his career and erratic quarterback play late in his career, but his big playability was still on full display throughout his college career. Stevenson is one of those guys that when you watch him play, He's simply moving at a different speed than everyone else on the field. His speed enables him to win down the field and create after the catch. He has over-the-shoulder ball tracking skills and field vision to make his speed matter. In addition, Stevenson is a dynamic kick returner that took three of his 38 career returns back for touchdowns while averaging more than 26 yards per attempt. When it comes to areas of concern, missing all but two games in 2016 with a broken collarbone, missing all of 2017 with a torn ACL, and several games in 2020 with an ankle injury is noteworthy. In addition, he isn't the most physical player and struggles when contact is introduced. Lastly, his speed and scheme often led to production in college, so developing more technique as a route runner will be important for him to reach his potential in the NFL. For a team looking for a big play threat, that can stress defenses vertically, horizontally, and in the return game, Stevenson would be a great addition. His ideal role is a featured slot receiver and kick returner, and he fits for any scheme. What do I like about the pick? Speed. I like adding speed to the team however you can get it. Offense, defense, secondary, receiver, anywhere. I like that this is a fast football player. I like that he is a developmental slot player that – 
provides intrigue as a returner and as a gadget player. We know that Isaiah McKenzie has become a very important part of this football team. And if the Bills aren't able to keep bringing McKenzie back, they have a guy in Stevenson that I think can do all of those same things. And I also like that it's an investment in wide receivers, which you know I think is critical for the team to do. The Bills should always be drafting wide receivers, keeping that cupboard full of options. What I don't like about the pick is that for a guy that you hope is a return guy for you, he did not do any punt returns. You know, only eight career attempts as a punt returner, four fair catches, four punts returned. And so uh, you just wish there was more of a resume there to stand on. I don't like the injuries for a player that's small. And that, you know, for a guy that was pretty productive at Houston, despite not necessarily having good quarterback play, a lot of that production that he had was because he was really fast and it was a very wide open spread offense. So his transition to the NFL, there's going to be a curve, right? He doesn't necessarily run the most nuanced routes and uh, knows how to you know, shake guys loose at the line of scrimmage. He's, he's definitely going to need some work when it comes to fleshing out his route tree, which is okay given his role and where he was drafted, right? There's a reason he was a, a six-round pick, but you know he's going to have a curve ahead of him. All right, folks, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about Damar Hamlin, Richard Wild Goose, and Jack Anderson. We're also going to talk about the fifth-year options, the UDFA. So we got a lot to do tomorrow and the rest of the week on the podcast. We are going to spend time looking at this draft class and breaking it down and becoming very familiar with the talent that is now on the roster. We we do it with the guys that are you know on the roster previously. You know, whenever the Bills sign a player, we break them all down. Whenever the Bills we we finish the season, we break down the players and what their roles are and what the forecast is and all that type of stuff. So we're going to do the same for this draft class and make sure that everyone is educated and up to speed on the new Buffalo Bills draft pick. So don't miss anything. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.